This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. For the first time, Colombia, the third most populous nation in Latin America, has elected a president who is not conservative. The stalwart U.S. ally has just chosen the former mayor of Bogota, Gustavo Petro, as leader in a runoff election. His running mate, Francia Marquez, has become the nation's first Afro-Colombian vice president. We turn to jean Wiev. Williams Comrie, Executive Director of Afro Resistance. She's just returned from Colombia. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Very exciting to be here, especially, especially today. So um, how unprecedented is this? Latin America as a whole has a long history of electing leftist leaders. Then the pendulum swings back and forth. But Colombia has been an exception, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this is the first time um, that it has a leftist um, government and the first time that it has a black um, leadership, you know, a black vice president um, woman on top of that. Right. And it's it's really um, it's really inspiring. It's really some historical. I have a slight cough. Sorry. But not only that, Francia Mina Marquez is somebody that is loved by the whole country because she is somebody that comes from the community is somebody that comes from the territories it's somebody she is a peace activist she is an environmental activist francia is somebody that has been working on this and she is younger than 16. um she comes from community organizing she comes from a black communities process um proceso comunidades negras she has been impacted by the war. She has, she's an internally displaced person. So, you know, to come from where she comes from and to now be vice president of a nation, it's just, it's for the people by the people. There's no other thing that I can say and add to that. How did this happen? Uh, it was a close runoff. Uh, Petro and his running mate uh, Marquez won 50 point at something of the vote. Uh, and, you know, it uh, not only was Petro the former mayor of Bogota, which of course is fairly standard, but before that, at a very young age, I believe he was 17, he was a rebel. He joined one of the many rebel groups in Colombia. Currently, that group has uh, been disbanded and turned into a political party. But how unusual was it? How did, how did that happen? How did somebody like Petro and his running mate, Marquez, end up winning in Colombia? You know, people needed a change. Their whole platform was around cambio which means change in Spanish. Um, what was happening in Colombia was just not working. When we say, and I say we because I'm part of, I'm not a Colombian woman. I'm, I'm not ever going to appropriate that. I'm Panamanian. But when I say we, it means people that come from a lineage of, of struggle, people that identify racially um, as Black, as Indigenous, as, you know, their whole platform was, um, Los olvidados, um, las igualadas, los nadies, which means the nobodies of, of, of society, the ones that society discards, the ones that nobody wants to deal with. Um, those are us, right? Those are the people that these policies don't, the policies of the elite, the policies of the ruling class 
are usually not mirrored in how they um we're not reflected in the benefits that society supposedly is there to service so this is how this comes about these two people actually reflect the the changes that they say that they're going to implement why because they come from them francia petro and francia but i speak on behalf of francia because i relate to francia she's a black woman right as i said before um francia somebody that has come from these communities that has been impacted so when she says environmental degradation when she speaks about peace it's because she has lived in unpeaceful situations because she has lived the consequences of environmental degradation because she has served as a domestic worker because she has felt what it means to have lack of education to not have um, equitable employment to not have just um, access to public health so when she says that she needs to transform these things and that it's like life or death i need to listen to that because it's not only about colombia it's about the whole region and those policies will impact how other governments behave in this case i hope panama is listening too because we're next door neighbors um so i really really identify with those things and you have to fight <coughs> colombia is a mirror to the rest of the world not only because of position and where it stands in regards to land and natural resources but because the importance that it means to the environment right it's so environmentally diverse and it's really the lung the environmental lung to to latin america one of the environmental lungs brazil also have that and you know they share the amazon but it's one of the environmental lungs in regards to to the environment now francia marquez represents um 10 percent just uh, in terms of demographics 10 percent of colombia is afro-colombian uh and this is the first time that someone has you know, there's never been an Afro-Colombian president. There's also never been an Afro-Colombian vice president. She becomes the first vice president of African heritage. But uh, as you were pointing out, her environmental chops are really what sets her apart. Tell me a little bit about the work she did in opposing mining industries, you know, which really speaks to hopefully this new government's position on industries and on destructive uh, industries in Colombia, because the West, the U.S., has poured money into Colombia, hoping to prop up corporate interests for many, many years, right? Absolutely. One of, one of the things to really keep in mind is that for the past 22 years, the United States has poured into, into Colombia at least $4.5 billion in the form of military training and into arms. So that's, that's one aspect of US foreign policy that you know some people wanna gloss over. And that's, we could say that's related to the environment and unrelated to the environment, but what is definitely related to it is aerial fumigations, right? Because everything is intersectional in this. And I say that because in, in the in their quest to control drugs and, and and arms aerial fumigation also depletes the environment because it kills off especially african descendants and indigenous communities way ancestral ways of life 
and it kills off how they can sustain their families via natural foods and, and natural ways of, of sustaining nourishment. And in right. doing that, and, and, just, and just to step back, the U.S. basically fought this drug war in Colombia for years, right? Fueling arms to a right-wing government in opposition to armed rebels. And then as part of that, these fumigation efforts were this environmental destruction. Yeah. And, and fought to me is like a little loose term. Um, mm. It could be fought or ignited, right? right. Um, one of the two, right? right? Or both of them together. Um, so, so, and I say... So, so that leads to, well, now we have, now people can't sustain this. Now we have to allow for, for mining industries to come in so that they can then exploit the land even more. So communities are, have always been in resistance, right? To environmental degradations, be it through area fumigations or be it through multinationals coming into their communities, um, blocking off river entrances right to create dams and the dams um to you know to provide electricity to neighboring communities and not to the communities that are supposed to be benefiting which is the the local black or indigenous communities which also it's very complicated for me to explain like really fast i would need like a map and everything else but when you um when you basically um this viad i'm not sure the the word in english but when you basically reroute a river to create a dam an electrical dam um people get displaced right because you have to dig um and you have to bring in excavators to dig and to open up which means communities have to have to to be displaced and that means that many people have to either migrate to local communities um, as cheap labor, meaning either bus drivers or construction or domestic workers, because they can't they can't sustain themselves anymore in their local communities. Their natural resources, meaning their rivers, become polluted, which means fishes can are no longer edible, and their grasslands can't be um, agricultural um, production can't happen there anymore. So people like Francia and their communities were against construction, against expansion of, of natural water sources and against mining. So of course, when people are against that in their own communities, they automatically become enemies of transnationals and enemies of, of the government because the government wants to make money and benefit from all these, all these relationships internationally. And Francia became a thorn to many through her organizing collectively, because there's collective organizing. Francia was never, was never moving um, individually. She was part of it, as I mentioned before, of a, an organization called Proceso de Comunidades Negras, the Black Communities Process, where politically she grew. She was also mentored um, by many Black women in Colombia, many Black elders in Colombia. Um, so Francia's victory, and I want to bring it back to this, Francia's victory is not just Francia's victory. Francia's victory is a whole community's victory, is a whole um, collective victory of Black women and Black men that have been carrying her since she's very young. 
So, so this is when, when people are celebrating and people were celebrating, it was a collective celebration. There's collective accountability. Francia will not govern just as Francia. Francia is governing for many and by many. Now, the uh, most important aspect, of course, of what happens in Colombia is what is next. What do you think or how do you think Petro and Marquez are going to move forward in Colombia, given where they've come from? The, uh, we've seen previous presidents try to pull in some of the former rebel groups and members of the rebel groups, the FARC, the ELN, into <laughs> government, make peace with them, which is an important part of reconciliation and moving forward. Do you think that Petro and Marquez, have they made that a central part of their platform? And have they also, you know, uh, vowed to take on the corporatists, the environmentalists, uh, the environmental, you know, the, the destroyers of the environment? Well, one of the things that they both have said and, and acknowledge is that the economic system is completely broken in Colombia. Um, <clears throat> that there's been an over-reliance on oil exportation, that there's been an over-reliance on the concept of the rich gets richer, of course, and, and growth in that, in that sense, and that they really need to pay attention to what is going on with their base. And the base is who got them elected. So we're talking about the LGBT communities, people with disabilities, the poor communities. Women specifically played a big role in their campaign. So how are these groups going to grow? Um, how are these groups going to benefit from new policies and new structures within their government? Um, a ministry of um, equidad is being created, and this new ministry will propose new policies and new structures to Can really- Can you repeat that? A ministry of? Equidad, of equality, of equity, um, is being created, that, that this is one of the, the proposed um, initiatives that Marquez is coming and Petro has fully supported as well. Um, so these are these are some of the new initiatives that are going to be fresh um, for Colombia that are going to bring into um, that are going to bring into accountability as I, I spoke before, you know, a shifting from what we have today, from what they have today, which is poverty into okay, what are some of the the shifts that we can see that can level off what we have been what they have been experiencing um, throughout centuries that is fully broken and bring them up to par where people can level off. You know, I, I know that there are some proposals around, for example, giving heads of women heads of households that have been excluded from the economy a base salary so that they can then sustain themselves, get a, a in education, a university, um, the concept of education for all is something that they'll be that they'll be not only exploring but implementing um, expansion of social programs. I think one of the key focuses is going internal first for people um, and taking care internally first. And I know, of course, that they will be looking at. They have committed to. Um, 
dealing with the high levels of deforestation um, that the Colombian Amazon is dealing with. So really taking look, taking a close look at the the environmental degradation that is happening within Colombia and figuring out how can we restore what has been depleted and what has been exploited from a from an environmental um, perspective that is accountable to Mother Earth first and then to the economy second. Jean-Vierre, what about the Biden administration and Colombia? What are what do you hope could be the best case scenario for the U.S. to have relations with Colombia? Because historically, of course, it's been pretty tough. The U.S. has uh, encouraged right-wing dictators and authoritarians in Latin America. It has undermined left-leaning uh, leaders just recently with the summit of the Americas here in the United States, um, the United the U.S. excluded what it called authoritarian leaders, which were the leaders of Venezuela and Cuba, Nicaragua. And uh, I wonder if if uh, Petro and Marquez are next in terms of who the U.S. will try to undermine because they don't like their policies. What would you if you had the ear of President Biden, who has you know, claimed he wants to be a different kind of president? What advice would you give him for embracing Colombia under this new leadership? Um, as he says, is to tackle climate change. This is this is the administration to really work with on that. Um, but it can't be on Biden's terms. It really has to be on Petro and Marquez's terms. Um, so I think the negotiations are going to have to be different. It's gonna. It, it can't be on. In Washington's terms now, I think it's 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 time to really like shift a little bit the power dynamics. Um, as far as I know, from the Colombian side, from what I've heard, that there is a point of dialogue. I can't comment more on that because I really don't know more about what the what they're thinking of, um, and I'm not a you know. I'm not part of their of their team, so um, I will leave that those comments up to them. But I believe that anything that has to deal with um, the Amazon and saving the rainforest and and climate change, um, the the new incoming Colombian administration is fully committed to, and I know that they will more than likely want a dialogue with open ears and you know to deal with that. With that administration. You just returned from Colombia. How close were you to the to the winning leadership of Colombia? Give me a sense of what it felt like. You know, I'm I've been friends with Francia for many years. Um, I consider her one of my sister and comrades, and not only her, but her family. So I was celebrating with her. What can I say? It it was great. It was great sharing space and sharing hugs. Everybody's so proud of each other, right? Um, as I said, it's not only her victory. This is a collective win. Um, one of the most beautiful things to see was her beautiful um, mother, Gloria, um, with her on stage and her son. Um, and just sharing, just to see three generations um, of strong black people a family united holding hands um lovingly just made my night that night um 
just knowing the stories of, of struggle that so many Black families in the region um, have been through. And, and, you know, I think all Black people in the region at one point or other have identified with the Marcus family. So I think everybody cried. I know I cried. I was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> but just seeing them on stage, I think we all in the African diaspora throughout Latin America identified. We all had butterflies and it was all worth it. So congratulations to, to Francia once again. Jean-Vierre, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time here. My guest has been Jean-Vierre Williams Comrie, Executive Director of Afro Resistance. She just returned from Colombia, which has elected Gustavo Petro and his running mate Francia Marquez, the first uh, Afro-Colombian vice president in the nation's history. You can access this and other interviews on our website at risingupwithsonali.com by becoming a subscriber. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. Also find our podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.